Good morning, everybody. Live stream, what's up? I hope you're staying warm. Um, how's everybody doing? Oh, good. So good. Are you tired of hearing about updating your info yet? Oh, yeah. Have you done it? Yeah. Looking at you, live stream. Have you done it? <laughs> anyway, glad you're here. If you're new, welcome. We like you already. If you're sitting by yourself and you're new and you don't know anybody, just come find one of us and just be like, hey, I'm new. I don't know what to do. And <laughs> We're going to make you feel home. Anyway, um, that being said, if you guys would stand, we're going to read our lectionary passage from Psalm 27. It's a good one. Buckle up. Let's just take a deep breath before I get settled into this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted above my enemies all around me. And I will join, offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So God, we just take that posture today. We're not in a hurry to experience you. May our hearts have courage today to hope and to wait on you for whatever that looks like for us as individuals. And even as a body, would we be courageous and choose to wait on you, our hope, our strength, our salvation. We bless you, Jesus. There is nobody like you. You have our attention today. Speak whatever you want in Jesus' name. As I was praying this morning, the Lord just kind of laid this passage of scripture on my heart to read out loud and I feel like it's for our body this morning and I feel like it's a truth for the world. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before the word is on my tongue, behold, oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. 
It is high and I cannot attain it. And as I was praying this morning and I was praying for this body and I was praying for everything that's going on in the world, I just felt like the Lord was wanting to remind us that he sees us and he knows us. And whatever we bring before him this morning, that he delights the fact that you're coming. He's just glad that you're here. And he wanted to remind you that he cares a lot about the things that are weighty for you and that he's not distant or far from your burdens. He's not distant or far or unaware of what's going on all around the world. And if you keep reading, it says that we can't depart from his presence. We can't depart from his eyes. And so I just felt like the Lord wanted to remind us at River City and to remind the world that he's not far away and that he sees you and you're coming and you're going and you're lying down and you're rising and he knows the words on your tongue before you know the words on your tongue and you don't know what to say or pray because the grief is too much. He knows it and if you will just come before him, he will delight in the fact that you're there. And I believe that that is equally as true for those people in Russia and Ukraine and Poland who are being significantly impacted by the war. He sees they're lying and they're waking. And to him, the darkness is not dark because of his pervasive light. And so this morning as I pray, I believe it is both for our community and those around the world. So God, we lift up those in this room where the weight feels all encompassing, where our own everyday life just feels heavy. It feels like a lot. And I thank you that our weight compared to the weight of the world, that it's not a competition, that both can exist. We can both be grief stricken in our own lives and also be heavy burden for what's going on in the world. And you just say, I see it all and I know it all. And I love you and I am not far from you and I'm not far or distant from what's going on in the world. And I promise there will be a day where darkness is no more and that all see my light. And so when we don't see it and when we don't feel it, we declare it and we claim what is true. And that is that you are near and you are close, that you know all and you see all. And so I thank you. I thank you that we don't feel shame with that or condemnation with that, but we can be freed into knowing that you are a good father that's for us, even when we don't look around and see it. God, this morning with the people of River City in this room and online, would they hear you say and whispering to them, I see you and I love you and I am for you. And would you do that in specific ways? And for those in Ukraine who are fleeing terror and for the people in Russia who are confused as the mixed messages that they are seeing or receiving, would you specifically in tangible ways remind them that you are near and that you love them 
and that there will be a day where the darkness that feels so dark will be light because you are coming again. May we sit back and receive that good news for us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Did anybody forget to do their clocks? That's awesome. That's okay. Anybody else? Is anybody excited about this version of restructuring your clock? It's the least favorite version of it. I like the one in November where you gain an hour. And then you still wake up late because you feel like you got a thousand hours. So um, thanks for being here, those that are present. Thanks for being online, those that are present. Thanks for listening during the week, those that are not present right now. We are two weeks from the end of our kind of emphasis, which has been, we all go together. Everybody say, we all go together. We all go together. Which is a way for us to say, we feel like the unification of some vision is very important. So we've already been talking about three specific invitations or steps. I'm just gonna share those really quickly. There's five total. Today we're gonna hit the fourth one, but the five steps that we're asking people to as you're present with the body, to step into our spiritual formation, primary first move, creating space to be formed by Jesus into the likeness of Christ. Second one is being present, which is very simply that. A body member should be present with the body that they are part of. That's a big deal. Third one is prayer, stepping into prayer or a life of prayer. We did that for two weeks. We're gonna continue that, kind of an undertone through the next season. Today is serving and next week is giving. And so today is stepping into serving. So before we talk about this or I put some scripture to the idea or take from scripture what's happening in this passage, I wanna just kind of recognize that we all bring a certain thing to this conversation. And it's very different for a lot of people, right? I think for a lot of people, there's connection with serving in the past where maybe it didn't, uh, you were already kind of a busy person, and so serving maybe was extracting more out of you than you felt like you were able. Maybe there's some woundedness from serving or not feeling like your serving was um, significant. Maybe there is an idea that you don't really know how to navigate how you've personally been gifted by God. Maybe that conversation for you is difficult. How has God gifted me? Maybe you kind of think maybe for the rest of your life you're just, you've got the ministry of chair stacking. You know, like that's maybe what God called you to do. Or maybe some of you have something you feel like God has blessed you to bless others with that's never been noticed. And you kind of wish it would be noticed. And there's probably a good conversation that we could have around that. But all of us bring something to the table. But I want to pray as we start that there would just be kind of a collective willingness to follow the lead of our Father in this area. And so here's what I don't want you to think. We're trying to convince you into serving today. I don't actually think that works. I actually think that serving, so, so before the pandemic, I had this idea that I wanted to have the Father create a culture of volunteerism. And I've really started to recognize as we've traveled through the pandemic that true service really only comes out of true discipleship. So if there's not a culture of discipleship happening, service then becomes stale and the life of God isn't necessarily in it. 
And so, and I can actually point, you can actually do this as well. You can actually think of people who you know have said, I'm stepping into formation with the Father. You see even kind of a pursuing happening in their life or a desire. You understand there's kind of a warmth in that conversation with them. You can almost trace how out of that person comes kind of the love of service, which I think is the goal. The goal isn't that we have more people here serving than any other church or that everyone here serves because, dang it, that's what you're supposed to do as a Christian, right? The goal is the kind of service and where that service comes from. And if a heart is truly submitted to Jesus in formation and discipleship and community, I don't have to convince that person. It's not something I can point to the, I mean, I will highlight a couple people just because I've been, for the pandemic, so incredibly thankful for them, and they're in this room right now. One of them's David. If your name's David, can you just uh, do a little dance or something? And the other one is Mika. Where's Mika? Micah? He's, there he is. He, really, he said, please, at, at any time you can, just highlight me. I would love it. So, so a year and a half ago, I felt, I'm sorry, I know y'all are both not loving it, um, But a year and a half ago, I felt like God was leading me into kind of practice what I preach, which to me at that point, I knew it to be discipleship and formation. I wasn't able to recognize that as a culture in a lot of the communities I had come from, or even as I kind of looked across the landscape of churches. It's just not something that is really emphasized. And so I felt like God was asking me to to embody what I would preach. And so at the same time, these are two of the guys that we're looking for the same thing. And so we decided, that's how we started ETS, was really out of this desire to do disciplines together, to stay consistent and committed together. And so I've just watched their lives for a year and a half. And at this point, I'm nervous that they're serving too much. And so I'm not even trying to be funny right now. But this is what happens when someone steps into this is, there's such a willingness that almost um, over time, if there's not a lot of others that are stepping into the same kind of thing, those people get burned out. But I've noticed, I just wanna brag on you both, that I've noticed it and I've loved it because it's not because of something you feel like you're supposed to check off, but it's coming out of the heart that God is forming in you. And they're not the only people here, that happens all the time. But So as we start this conversation today, I wanted to highlight that as I do want a culture of volunteerism, I really want a culture of discipleship. I'd really like more than anything a culture of spiritual formation and discipleship, where there's actively a process of slowing to go at the pace of Jesus, to follow Jesus' leading into the life of God, which is completely in, in conflict with our culture around us. And I'm not even saying like, those are bad people, these are good people. I'm saying you are required to produce in our culture to have any type of identity. We are excited when we're too busy outside of Jesus because there might be worth connected to it. So what happens when we say no to a busied life and say yes to a slowed pace that goes at the rhythms of Jesus that's actually able to be present with people? What a gift for us if we could be present just with our families and in this body. 
That's really hard to do when we've said yes to a culture that promises identity if we just keep going after the next thing. That can also be said about service. Service outside of the life of God and without Jesus as the center can become a way to receive identity and that also leads to burnout. Service connected to Jesus and the body of Christ, such a beautiful thing because there's an invitation and a bridge to meet the Jesus that we believe is central to all of it. So there's two things that happened for me in the pandemic that I feel like are significant takeaways. When I started into the pandemic, I had really large questions about the validity of why a church is important. Um, That's just me being honest about my interaction with it. And I've grown actually in that process to love it more and to see the value of the local body more than I did before. Definitely not built around a personality, definitely not built around a niche in a city, but around the presence of Jesus. And so I had a friend come and preach, Dr. Johns, who was one of the two most significant things that happened. And when Dr. Johns came and preached, she highlighted, in the Old Testament there was a scripture, it was Exodus 33. She spoke from this. I think I gave you this passage, I hope I did. Yes. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to them, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. And Dr. Johns used this as a basis for the validity of a local community being the house of God's presence. I had some really interesting conversations this week around the question, what is holiness? I'm not opening that up right now to have with you. But every conversation, someone said something different. But all throughout the Old Testament, if you think about what is holiness, of course we don't think it's just not doing bad things, right? So in the Old Testament, holiness was connected to the presence of God in the bush, the burning bush. You're standing on what ground? Holy. Right. In the holy of holies, what's there? The presence of God. <laughs> Becca, holiness. God, that's deep. That's a curveball deep. So to me, as I think about like why, why church, why the local body, why is it important? It's because this is meant to be the place where the spirit of God lives so that we anticipate coming together, right? Do you not know that you yourselves are the temple of, of the spirit? This is a New Testament text talking about not just Noah and how Noah is the house, but there's a collective indwelling with each believer of Jesus that the Spirit resides in, so that an interaction with us should bring people face-to-face with God. This is the holy place. This is the place where that Spirit dwells. And the second thing that happened to me that was one of, I think it will go down as my favorite, he will go down as my favorite, Saint. He's actually, it's kind of highlighted this week. Does anybody know who I'm talking about? St. Patrick, very good, very good, guys. Yes, which you all know to be the uh, saint who signed off on a lot of uh, reckless drinking in every city <laughs> with green beer. So, so he, I read a book that was recommended to me because I desired to see a, a local community embody hospitality. And if you've heard of St. Patrick, and I've said this too many times, his monastic communities would set up in a city and they would create a space of hospitality that a, somebody could enter into and literally have their own cell, they would call it, or space in nature to breathe. They would guide them into that. And if they would want to have dinner, there would be someone there to literally f- serve them food. And then at any moment, 
along the way, if they desire to have conversations about the God that is served, they're ready and willing. But they believed that it was caught and not taught. So the hospitable spaces that he would set up in these communities, in turn, actually produced a ton of disciples because it wasn't something that was just being said that was being decided. It was an invitation into a space that actually was hospitable for God. So it didn't negate the presence of God, and it, did, it required that people were being discipled before that happened and being invited into it. And so these two things, the hospitality of the monastic communities and this idea of what the temple was meant to be, to me, has brought to life the idea that in this space, hospitality and service actually leads people in to see the face of God. That, to me, is so exciting. I've longed for that for so long. I want to I use the text from 1 Peter today. And you can open up, if you would like, to 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. As you're opening up, many of you, many of you not, that's okay. As you're opening up, this was a text that was kind of a warm and loving text written to a people where there wasn't a ton of church leadership at this point. There was, definitely wasn't a ton of church structure. They didn't even necessarily meet in buildings at this point, so hospitality for these communities was massive. Literally, the church survived the first 200 years because people were willing to open up their homes to things like missionaries and apostles to come in and stay because there wasn't a space to gather. So they had to have this welcoming, all-encompassing idea of hospitality and service for it to survive, or it wouldn't have, and it did. So this letter is written to a church that's in persecution, that doesn't have a ton of leadership, and that needs to be brought into the gospel a little more deeply. And so it's loving, and it's affirming, and it's for today for us. And so I want to read you this. The end of all things is at hand. Can I get a hallelujah? <laughs> Just good, right? That's actually all I'm saying. <sighs> Go along your way. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. That's good. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's just good. That's encouraging. I just want to share a few things. So the end was not near. It's clear to see there might be a varying understanding of what's being said that the end is near. Because the end, depending on how we look at it, it's been quite a little bit of time. So it's definitely not the end was coming in 10 years for them. But there's the idea of urgency to what we've been given, which I believe is what's being emphasized here. It's urgent. It's urgent that you step into this. Yesterday, I had the honor and the sadness of doing a funeral for a cousin of mine. And he wasn't much older than me. And his mom was in the room, and he's now in heaven. And today as we speak, right now, there are literally cities being bombed right now. 
In fact, last week I was at a pastor's retreat and one of the pastors in our network is actually from the region and they've built a connection with a church over there. These are two of the videos I watched. One of the videos was a church worshiping during bombing. Worshiping during bombing. If this city was being bombed, are we worshiping? And another conversation was about a pastor's church who could not gather, so instead they decided they would find whatever large vehicles they can and drive into the bombing, get as many people as they can, and drive out. But the cars they use have to not break down because, of course, that would be awful. So our network is trying to buy these vehicles, and you'll hear more about that. That's happening right now. So our urgency this week is different than the urgency happening in the Ukraine, and it's different than the urgency happening in Aunt Connie's home today. The reality that Jesus might not return tomorrow doesn't mean that we don't live as if it matters today. So how do we live like that? This is not meant to, for you to feel terrible about yourself as you go home and watch Atlanta United today or as you watch the Hawks or figure out if Freddie Freeman's playing for the Braves. This is not meant to make you feel terrible. This is to just wake us up a little bit. How important is the body of Christ in a city? Well, the pastor and community that's driving and literally retrieving people to stay alive it was pretty important that that church was there, correct? Yeah. Right? To be able to be willing when it happens. I would love to be a church in our city if something like this were to happen, we would be ready, front lines. We are ready for the sake of the gospel to lose everything yeah. in fellowship of suffering with our Savior Jesus who died when he could have gained. But that's not what's being said here because we don't live in that necessarily. We live in a pretty comfortable environment, and I don't, I don't mean to be harsh to say this, but I, I mean to hopefully exude the loving heart of Jesus when I say he's inviting you into a deeper life. He's inviting you into a deeper life because you don't know when you're Aunt Connie, when you're in that scenario, and God forbid having to bury a child, awful, or when your neighbors don't have a house anymore. We don't know when those things are happening. We don't, none of us are promised any certain amount of time, right? Like, I'm 44. I know I look 43. <laughs> but like yesterday, I was 21. And those of you in this room that are over 60, you're like, yeah, last week I was 29. It feels like that. And what have I given my life to? Have I given it to, have I given it to a job that is not gonna produce the kind of legacy I want to bring my family in? Have I given it to uh, some kind of a drive that's, that's meaningless? What is meaningful? People are meaningful. The people in our communities are meaningful. Just real clearly, your children, your brothers, your sisters, your parents are meaningful. At what level of pre presence do we offer those people? So there's four things said here in, in verse eight that I just wanna highlight it says the end is near, so be steady in your mind. Another way to say that is to be present in your mind. See things in proper proportions. What is important and what is not. And let me just be the editor 
If something's not important and you're giving 80% of your time to it, edit it, get it out. It's not worth it, right? Like, I'm having a serious interaction with the amount of time our family spends towards athletics, and I'm editing, literally in the process of editing, the things that need to be edited. Because I love my kids more than just to have an awesome shortstop in my house. I want my son to be able to navigate what it's like to follow Jesus and practice the way when we're not in the other room. So I gotta edit the junk. Edit the things that don't matter. Is God in his right seat in your life? This is him saying this to this community. Is God in the right seat? Who's driving the decision? What voice are you listening to most? Well, I don't hear God. Have you created space to try and learn? Well, God's angry at me. I don't think he is. Let's talk about it. Next thing is be present with a sober mind. So not just a steady mind, but a sober mind. Take things seriously. Can we just agree as Christians to stop signing off on dumb stuff? That doesn't matter, right? Like, if your fight looks more like a political party than the gospel of Jesus, edit. Edit. Right? If your fight is some ridiculous conspiracy theory, let's I'll edit it for you. Bring it to me. I'll be like, <laughs> no. Being the people of Jesus who are present and loving to people who are not the people of Jesus is like part one. It's not forming an enemy and using all that God's given us to destroy the enemy. Be sober-minded. Stop being ridiculous, right? Like, I mean, when I think of sobriety, I don't think people think about laughing a lot, right? Like, for me, having a history of addiction I, I would use addiction to actually get me into a place where I could feel like I could laugh. Traveling out of that, I started to recognize that never really was actually laughter. That was like avoidance. But now, to be able to laugh and be present, to be sober-minded does not mean to be like this. It means I understand that the, there's more at play here when I'm talking to this person or when I'm being sarcastic with Bill I don't know why you came to mind for that, Bill. Or with anybody. Like, I had, I, I've actually prayed that God would cleanse me of my sarcasm for two years because it's not just funny. It's actually a method where I can build a wall instead of forming intimacy with fellow humans. So if you ever hear me being sarcastic with you, Paul's like, I don't sign off on that. <laughs> I don't know if I was just sarcastic. That's the other thing with me is I don't know what sarcasm is. <laughs> I truly don't. That's not, just not trying to be funny. But I do know that I tend to say things that kind of divert when it could be actually a meaningful thing. You know? It's time to be sober-minded. What's really important? Are we praying in our households about what's happening in the Ukraine? Right? Third thing is when you can be steady in your mind and sober in your mind, then a praying life can be produced out of that. But it's hard to get to a praying life if you're not steady or sober-minded. So that's just steady and sober-mindedness gets you to a spot of reality. Oh my goodness. If I'm not doing all this shenanigans, 
There really is a need for prayer. And when I think of prayer, I think of thy will be done. So it's this entry into not Josh's Christmas list of things to answer at River City or in my family. It's literally an invitation into a conversation with the Trinity, which is just, it's happened, it's good right now. They're doing good. And it's like me saying, what are y'all, what are you praying? And then jumping on board of that. It's thy will be done and then being able to discern the will of God. And throughout history, the revelation of God, either through the oracles of Scripture or the people of God, God is always speaking specifically. He's not speaking something that's counter, that doesn't speak what the Scripture says, but we have the ability, if we're sober-minded and steady-minded, to discern the will of God and then to act on it, right? Kara mentioned justice, yes, Right? It's not just giving money to a church. It's also justice in our city. It's also being present with those who are hurting and broken. And then the fourth thing is preserve your love. So again, steady mind, sober mind, a praying life, and preserve the love you have for one another because it covers a multitude of sins. And it actually gives the picture that I will not be able to put up there, but like when a horse is like, you know when a horse does that and it's like you can, you can see the sinew in their muscle? This feels strange as I'm doing it. But you know what I'm talking about, right? That's the outstretched nature of love that is like that. It's always, and in the Christian life, in the life of God, it's also considered an agape love, which is the kind of love that you give when you know you're not gonna receive something back. So it's really kind of, you know, the steady mind, sober mind, praying life, and then this production of a love that actually doesn't require to receive back, which is hard. And then it moves straight into kind of its ump, which is be hospitable. As I said earlier, the early church would not have survived without hospitality. It literally means, in its original context, opening up your home and letting people live with you, <laughs> right? So when we say be hospitable, the spirit that says to someone, come in and live, not only come in and dine, because even for us, for like two hours, you're like, this is going to be good for two hours. But after that, you're like, is there like a, a handshake we can do now? Is there a secret? Is there a safe word? Bedtime. Uh, I don't know. We struggle opening up what's ours, right? Post-enlightenment. Like we, we're very singularized. We very much want to have a garage to close and not have to deal with. Like hospitality is this idea that you're welcome in my conversation, in my car, in my home, at a table. I'm so bad at this. I wanna be so good at this. My entry is not to be better at it because I've struggled for years. My entry is discipleship because maybe God can form it out of me. I wanna be better at that. I want to personally possess a culture of hospitality. And then out of that, offer your gifts of service. So whatever your gift might be. And this today is kind of what it's about. And this is definitely not me trying to uh, manipulate in you, you into serving. But the idea that every person is gifted to serve the local body, but then fellow man, that to me is a beautiful way that we can make sure we don't have leadership that makes a church about themselves. If all share the load, if all step in, and for some reason, God is always blessing us with people who are coming out of a burnout phase. 
bless you, keep you. I do not want you to be overwhelmed. And I do believe there needs to be a space of healing for anybody that's walked in that. But eventually, maybe stepping into something small to serve, like this big, that doesn't require you to be seen or known. And maybe if your struggle is like me, thinking that your identity comes out of how God is serving and using you, maybe doing something obscure would be helpful. Maybe if, God, if you know God's called you to be on a stage, which ah, I just want to talk with you about that. Because I, I literally felt like in the beginning of ministry that was what all the good people went to stages. How terrible is that? That's like the common knowledge. Like you work towards the power. And there's studies being done now that there's a dismantling of power in almost every industry where almost the people receiving are now in power and companies are having to pivot and situations and workplaces are having to pivot and people are less likely to desire places of power. That's why in churches, there's a less people and people are blog. More people listen to blogs than sermons. It's not even close. It's not even close. I heard that this week. It's not even close, right? And I don't even know what I was saying, but it felt that, that was important for me to say. So, so for me, as I think about these two things, and, and I'm going to wrap this up in a second, the idea of hospitality and service, they create an environment out of discipleship, which says to someone, you matter, and maybe someone can witness and experience that they are the beloved of the Most High God. In a culture that curses without thinking about it. Watch one television ad today and you will experience where you are a deficit. And it will show you how you can be fixed. In a culture where everyone is cursed from the time they wake up until the time they go to bed. Sometimes by themselves, what a gift to offer them a blessing. Be blessed. You're the beloved son or daughter of the Most High God. And you can say that statement by the way that you greet someone, by the way that you pray for someone, by the way that you sit with someone, by the way that you listen intently with someone. There's so many good ways to do this. But the body of Christ is a body that is hospitable. And I don't actually think it's an invitation, I think it's a part of our identity. We offer hospitality. So my prayer in here is that we would continue to move towards this. Because service and hospitality, they allow people to see Jesus face to face. I want to expect that in here. And so I'm just going to read you something I wrote this morning. Why do I care for this at RCC? What do I dream of at RCC? So if I had to be honest... Coming out of the pandemic, and this is every person in every church I know. We went on a network retreat with seven other churches this week. Every church has the same issues. And it's coming out of the pandemic, the volunteer force has completely shrunk, which has given churches the opportunity to start to talk about discipleship. So I like it better. That's better. Churches are moving from, dis- from cultures of volunteerism and wow to let's, let's nitty gritty. Let's bring it back down. But if I had to tell you what I desire to see in these areas, I've got eight areas I'm going to read to you. Greeting and hospitality, really simple. Consistent ability and focus on welcoming and receiving people in a way that expresses the heart of God for them. 
Not just the right words and systems, but the heart that truly sees, loves, and creates space for people. A team of loving people that show up early and use their giftedness and creativity and energy to create space that says the same. That's what we're moving towards and one of the easiest areas to serve in the world. How are you today? You look lovely. Depending on who you're talking to, of course. You don't want to say it there, but... Groups and formation, second area. I've, we've seen the most growth in this area over the pandemic. And Kara's just killing it right back there, just doing a great job. Um, we've seen so much. So now what I love about River City is now we actually have the heartbeat of the gospel happening. So when people come in, there's actually... Whereas before, our church grew really quickly to start, and it was a little bit like, what, 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 do, we do, what do we do now? What do we do now? Hey, how are you? there's just too many people. And so it's actually great what's happening now. A robust environment and process that has plenty of room for people to step deeply into formation. Leadership and volunteers that are actively being formed with a desire to see others grow deep roots in Christ and community. A culture of discipleship. A place where anyone at any time can step in and have what they need to start and maintain discipleship personally. That is good. It's good stuff, right? Okay, yeah. City Kids. City Kids Ministry. This is the area that's lost the most volunteers during a pandemic because people have gotten used to being at home, and that's just what it is. A lot of people will stay home now, but city kids, a robust and thriving environment where each child that steps in is seen, feels loved, cared for, and supported to grow deep roots in Christ, a team of passionate volunteers that prioritize pouring into and shepherding our kids at RCC a culture of commitment and a connected team atmosphere with clear vision and a united heart. Students, it's almost exactly the same. Youth ministry, a robust and thriving environment where each teen that steps in feels seen, loved, and supported to grow deep roots in Christ. A team of passionate volunteers that prioritize pouring into and shepherding our teens at RCC. A culture of commitment and a connected team atmosphere with clear vision and a united heart. Worship. Yeah, that's, yep. A team of people that are deeply rooted in Christ and community with the desire and passion to joyfully lead the RCC body into the presence of God. A vibrant and thriving ministry, thriving, thriving, I don't know. A vibrant and thriving, <laughs> that's deep. A vibrant and thriving ministry rich with depth and creativity that welcomes and fosters the presence of God in song and lifestyle. I'm going to go ahead and just put my name next to that one. Just kidding. Sound and media. This is from Bill. A team of people that are deeply rooted in Christ and community with the desire to support the worship team as they joyfully lead the RCC body into the presence of God and facilitate the sound and media elements of RCC services in the sanctuary for RCC's online community, a vibrant and thriving ministry rich with depth and creativity that invites people to experience the presence of God. Can I get an amen to that? Thank you, Bill. Table and mission. This is downstairs. For those of you who don't know, we have the table. Also, we do a lot of missional work through it, like Love Smyrna. A team of people committed to prayerfully seek the Father about His will for the city of Smyrna, and our whole church is really praying for that too. A creative and loving environment that builds bridges between RCC and the city of Smyrna. That's good stuff. Prayer, strong leadership. And so this is a brand new one. We're offering actually our highest level of volunteer leadership to this, so we're, I'm, I'm actually believing God's gonna provide this. Strong leadership that can set in place the needs of RCC in relation to prayer and intercession, specifically a thriving altar ministry and a team of intercessors for our body. 
Wouldn't it be awesome to have all that be answered? So good. So, and, and how to get there, and Bill's gonna come up in just a second, isn't necessarily to have Micah and David do all of that for the church. I mean, honestly, though, speaking, Micah, how many areas are y'all serving in right now, if you had to just guess? You really hate me right now. <laughs> Please don't leave the church. We need you too. Similar, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can do more if you need it, but we don't need everybody to do everything. We need everybody to do something, right? And if you are at a place of burnout, stepping into a kind of softball toss, I will come and help greet people. It goes a really long way when every person steps in to say, I'm part of this, I'm part of this. Doesn't mean you're gonna be preaching unless God calls you to, and we'll see about it. But, so my, my question for you as Bill comes up is, what, what, what is God asking you to step into? What is it that he is leading you to take one step into? Good morning. Um, thanks for giving me a brief moment here to share a little bit about opportunities to serve, which is the what and uh, the why we serve. Um, one of my roles here at River City is the Director of Volunteer Assimilation. Yes. What is assimilation, you ask? It's a great question. But it starts... It's a, it's, a bigger, it's a bigger thing than just volunteers, right? It starts when you first walk in here and begin to be a part of River City, right? From your very first visit, we are trying to assimilate, help you assimilate into this family, um, right? At some point, though, being a part of River City involves serving in some capacity, hopefully, right? Assimilating into that life of River City. Um, specifically, in this role, I've been asked to organize and implement a volunteer assimilation plan. Um, I w and part of that is I want to support each volunteer um, with their pers personal and spiritual care, which includes trying to understand each volunteer's stage of faith, offering and debriefing spiritual assessments as necessary, supporting and resourcing options for personal healing. As Josh uh, mentioned earlier, we've had a lot of people come to River City from other church experiences, and they've come in overworked, burdened, burned out, um, and they just need to come and rest for a bit. And part of, what, part of this role is helping them through that process of resting and then re-engaging, getting healthy, right? What is that step to getting healthy? And hopefully we can have conversations to point them in the direction of ways to do that, whether it's counseling or some sort of one-on-one -on -one conversations, prayer, um, reading some materials, that kind of thing, just to, to be able to step back in. Um, I'll be establishing symptom, uh, systems uh, and collaborating with the other ministries, right, the other leaders of the ministries to integrate our people into the body, whether that's groups, um, certainly in the volunteering in the variety of ministries. Um, I'll, be help, I'll be working with those folks to help assess their needs, right, what, what do they need in terms of serving, um, in terms of volunteers for those things. Um, you know, and, and, and letting you know specifics about what that is, right? So um, what are the specifics for each ministry area? And I have that information. Um, what's the time commitment, right? Now that describes the what of this role. 
Um, but I want to briefly talk about the why behind the role for me, right? And the verse I want to focus on today is from Mark 10, verse 45. For the human one didn't come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life to liberate many people, right? When we started this, the journey in ETS in the fall, right, we talked about what it meant to apprentice with Jesus, right? Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did, right? And we see in the Gospels time and again, Jesus walking out this call to serve, right? Whether it's healing people, turning water to wine, multiplying loaves and fishes, raising the dead, right? The stories of him serving those around him um, are endless, really. Ultimately, you know, he ascends the cross in the ultimate act of sacrifice, right? For the liberation of all who receive it. When we serve others, we are liberating them in some way, right? Or another. We're freeing them in some fashion, right? We're participating in that, right? For example, when we serve in City Kids, right? We're freeing up Jessica, right? From having to lead a classroom, right? Or having to email or call a bunch of people to come in and fill in slots, right? That frees her up to lead on Sunday morning in the way she, she best can, right? Or maybe it frees up another person who doesn't have to work an additional Sunday in a month, right? Now, for some of us, we may not serve because we've bought into a lie about ourselves, right? I can't do that, or they don't want me to help with that, or I don't have anything to offer to that ministry. We can participate in our own liberation by stepping into serving. There's something going on at River City for everyone in this room and online to step into, to help with. And we want to work with you to help you find what that is. For some of you may not know there's a need out there to help with, right? Or you may not know exactly what's being asked. Um, I want to show you a crude, a crude graph that I created. I went with the two-dimensional option because um, it, was, it was hard for me to make sense of the three-dimensional option uh, in the Mac numbers offerings for graph creation. But this is the graph I created. And what I want to do first off is celebrate all the people that are volunteering and serving in these capacities, right? The red bars are those who are currently serving. The green bars are those um, that the ministry would love to have. I just want to talk a little bit about each of those sections, right? Groups, right? There are currently 16 folks leading um, an ETS group or, a, or another kind of small group life group. Um, ideally, that could be a little higher. And that would, really, that would offer more opportunities for different ETS groups, right, to keep those groups small so they function well, um, and, and to offer some different kinds of life groups. City kids, you'll see two sets of graphs there. Um, the first one is the ideal city kids graph, which is 16 people, right? Each Sunday morning, she needs um, eight people, right? There's four Sundays in a week, which ideally she would like two people to serve in each class every other week so that the kids have some consistency. And that's where you land at the 16 number or where I did. Now, if that doesn't happen, right, it can be as many as 32 volunteers are needed in a month. That's eight unique people serving once one week a month. All right, so it's somewhere in between there. The sweet spot is maybe somewhere in between there, but you can see there is definitely a need for Jessica and City Kids. Worship. That, that, that graph is kind of weird in that 
Um, that's who is currently serving. Becca's always open to hearing from other people who say they want to help out. So don't let that be a barrier. Like, oh, well, worship has all the people they need. If you want to step into that, see Becca. She'd love to talk with you about that. Sound room, we have four guys that are helping me right now. We'd love to have twice that many. That allows us groups of two to work one Sunday a month um, and not overwhelm those folks that are helping. And if you're interested in that, we can talk about that. Please see me. The table downstairs, that's the only, that's the only paid setup here, right? The folks that work those table events downstairs, um, there is a, a pay structure for that. Um, Shannon would like one more f person to step in and help with that um, because they're just, she, these events are randomly signed up. You know, that people have a, an event or a party or something they want to book a, and it doesn't always fit in the current six people schedule to fill that slot. So it's a, a way for them to do that. Greeters, right? We currently have about six slots of folks that have been helping. Um, that ministry is going to grow out as we, you know, you've heard about our director of hospitality we're trying to hire for. This is something that that, that person will be able to manage and implement. Um, so I just, I took six greeters on a Sunday morning times four weeks in a month on average. I got to 24. So there's a need for that. Um, and the last one is students. Uh, Laura's group and all those folks that are helping, it's been amazing. Um, she would love to have two, two female leaders, two male leaders each week um, in some sort of consistent way. And the same, it's kind of the same uh, issue that Jessica has. Trying to get the teens the same kind of consistency we'd love for the city kids to have with the adults that are leading them. All right? And I have information from each of these folks. I'm not going to read that to you. We'd be here forever. But I do have info sheets. I asked them. I had a conversation um, last month with Abby Mixon, who if you haven't met Abby and, and know what she does on a regular basis, one of those things is she can kill an Excel spreadsheet. Um, and her organization of the volunteers at the nonprofit she works at. Um, and one of the things I got from our conversation with her was people need specific asks. So when we're asking you to, how to step in, I heard that and we, we put together information so you would know what is going to be asked of me here so you can kind of consider that. Um, so I have that information. You can reach out to me today. You can pull me aside anytime. You can email me at bill at rivercitysmyrna.com. I'd love to answer your questions, sit down, talk with you. Um, right? And as Josh said earlier, we're aware that so many of you have come from different spots and feel overworked, um, burdened by that, and don't want to step in right away. That is totally fine. But we do want to help you get to a healthier spot so that you can step in, because you all have gifts to share with us, and we all need to work alongside you in these capacities. Um, so reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you about your previous experience, what you're afraid of, um, to get you to a place where you can trust a church staff again with your time. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. That was really good. Um, so just a couple quick things. One, we... We are in the process of hiring a couple positions. You just heard the hospitality one. If you know anybody that would fit that bill really well, excuse me for the language there, Bill. Um, 
who would fit that description really well, it's on, you can email me, I'll send it to you. And also kind of an RCC office manager, which will be almost like an admin. And we have a complete job description for each. And then the prayer point lead. We need a prayer ministry leader that desires to do this. That's not a paid, but that is something that we very much need. Outside of that, what is this serving? Just for you to know, as we've done our work, our body online and in person as we've kind of condensed a database of a thousand down to what's actually present we have what we think is between 200 and 300 total people and on sundays that group looks very different each week and that's just a part of the new normal we're hoping it changes and then online we have people so this serving is impacting that group of people and then anywhere from two to five visitors usually on every sunday it's important right the people that are here are important and the people that visit are important. And so we're going to do one last thing today. And David, Sarah's going to step in for you so you can get the uh, pizza. Pizza's not for everyone. Forgive me for saying that out loud. <laughs> On a Sunday of hospitality. You don't get pizza. <laughs> so there's a special meeting afterwards. So here's what we're going to do. So I've asked a couple people to just be a point in an area and if either any of these areas that we're not asking, this is not a trick to get you to jump in, stirs in you anything that you would love to see that happen for the area, what we prayed. I just want you to partner up and maybe at least meet a couple people that you haven't met, say that your name to them, and then pray the prayer that's on here, and just for a moment, pray for the ministry. So greeting and hospitality, we had selected somebody to step into that, and that was going to be right over here, Dan and Aaron. So you guys can go to the right over here, and y'all can be over there, and you can go ahead and come get this and step over there. And then we have groups and formation, and Micah is stepping in for, and you can go right over there. Thank you. Thank you. And then we have city kids, which Sarah is gonna step into that, and that'll be in the back corner over there. And then we have students, and that's Laura right here, and it'll be right where she is. You wanna raise your hand? And I can give you this. And then we have worship, which will be Becca. Becca, do you want to do worship kind of right here? Thank you. Sound and media, which will be Bill. And you can go right back there with Don. He's, I think he wants to volunteer. Um, table and mission will be Shannon. And you can come right here. Shannon. And then prayer will be me, which will be in this area. And then lastly, if you're new, we know that's odd. So... Kara will be um, right outside in the middle lobby, and she has just a lot of great information about the church, uh, the groups, how to in enter into it, what it looks like, and you can ask her anything you would like, and so that'll be out there. So I just want to take a moment, so Father, I pray, and you guys can just close your eyes and pray with me. Um, is there any area specifically today that you're asking each person to pray for? Not necessarily jump into, but just to pray for. And if so, I pray that you would lead in that and then help them to maybe learn a couple names of the people within this body. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.